Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. On today's Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, the Chicago Bears are still looking for a GM and head coach. John Lester says, See you later to the MLB. And is our very own Joey Gelman jumping on his opportunity to claim Cubs season tickets? We'll find out on episode 68 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best. Chicago Sports Talk. I'm Joey Gelman. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Gelman. The man on the other side of the Skype is Dan Collins. You can find him on Twitter at TweetDanCollins. The show, Believe in Chicago Sports, is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago. Part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Dan was dancing on Skype to my intro, so I must be spitting some smooth vibes and maybe some smooth jazz. There I don't we know. Go. That could be a new intro. Maybe we'll change the intro to some nice slow jams. That could I'm work. all here for it. I'm Good. here for it. Good. Uh, so get you started on today's slow jams. We yeah. are going to bring up the slow jam that is the Bears search. Whoa, look at that. What a segue. I went to journalism oh, school for something. You just, you just took that and ran with it. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Don't, don't, don't need to derail <laughs> that. Uh, so we've got a couple of candidates that are interviewed yet to be interviewed and and kind of where where we stand here um you got let's see some of the big names that have been interviewed so far for gm uh champ kelly who's internal see, oh we're gonna say don't see a joey no i was gonna say don't see a joey gelman on that list I didn't make the cut unfortunately i didn't make the cut baseball maybe but bears no um, I root for them. I yell at them, but I know nothing about. I'm like George. I'm just a fan. I know nothing about building oh. a, a building a contender, <laughs> right? Yikes! Oh God! I'm sorry. So I think you know when we look at the with the, the GM search. I don't know how I want to. I mean, we discussed it, of course, before. But you know, we can just kind of go through kind of where we sit and where we stand right now with this with this team because you know you want to say, oh, I know who the front runner is and I know who's going to be, but. The Bears have cast a huge net here on who they're looking at and what they're looking for. And so, you know, you, you look at a couple names that they've talked to, whether it's Joe Shane, Elliot Wolf, Jeff Ireland for GM. Uh, on the list to be interviewed, Morocco Brown, who's very highly rated from the Colts, Omar Khan from the Steelers. Everyone loves Rick Smith, the former Texans, uh, GM. And, you know, th- those are names of teams that have, have built things and have built, you know, maybe not necessarily always a Super Bowl contender, but at least sustained success and, and department structure that is replicable, I want, that you want. But then, you know, we also talk about everyone loves the Colts and what they've built. And then you see, okay, Morocco Brown's on the list, but Ed Dodds has withdrawn his name. And you can, you can read into that all you want, and I don't, we can, but... Yeah. You know, you, you, you always wonder yes. when, when 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 Chris Ballard, who was here, goes to the Colts because he didn't want to be Ted's underling, and then now his assistant GM withdraws from the job with the Bears. Um, we, we can play with that as we go. But it's just, there's a lot of interesting names. They're coming from a ton of teams that, you know, we respect. Um, you know, these are Browns personnel, 49ers personnel, Saints, Titans, Bills, Patriots, Patriots. Steelers. 
Colts, Chiefs, Chargers, Texans. So, you know, they're, they're all, all good names here. I know we don't know a lot about them because we don't, you know, see them on the field. But, you know, I'm curious, Dan, whether whether it's those names or just in general, what what are you thinking about now at this point in the search and where and where the Bears are? Well, you know, it's funny because we're, we're throwing all these ties around where it's like, oh, you know, there's somebody with Colts ties and Browns ties and Patriots ties. And like at the end of the day, when you're going to interview about 15 plus people, what was it like roughly 16 or something? They said they're going to um, at the end of it all have interviewed. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're going to they're going to have ties and they're going to have, you know, their fingerprints across quite a few um, organizations in the league. So. Once again, take that as if, as you will. At the end of the day, you're only going to hire one guy from GM or wherever, wherever they're from. They're from. Um, I mean, obviously, so I, I, there's rumors going around that potentially they're hiring two front office people like with this search. I mean, so at the end of the day, you really want to know who the GM is and then, and then who's, who's going to be the head coach after that. Or potentially even maybe they go, you know, head coach first again, and then the GM comes later. We'll see. Um I think I think you bring up a good point too, Joey. And I don't know, like you know, we could we could look into it as much as we want to. But with that type of a of a pool of, of a net, I guess they're casting out, like you said, which this seems to be pretty high when it comes to a football team searching for for said opening, a, a general manager opening. Like, do you typically interview fifteen plus people um, from everything you know, reports and stuff like that coming in? It seems like it's a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, maybe like you know you. Have have in mind your top five or seven maybe like handful maybe a little bit like maybe a little bit over a handful of like candidates you'd want to bring in and then you know you go from there i mean is there any harm in it necessarily like it's hard to say there is i mean at the end of the day you you just extend an offer to who you think you know is the is going to be the most valuable person for the organization um does that say something about where they're at in terms of like mindset in the search. Like, do they like, if it's that broad, do you really like, did you come into this with like any kind of focus or like any type of um, like almost bias on the type of person that you wanted to run this team, which maybe it's a good thing if you didn't, right. Maybe it is a good thing. You're just saying, Hey, you know, McCaskey's telling everybody like he's, he's, you know, on the record for saying, Oh, I'm just a fan. And like, that's why we're bringing in somebody like a Bill Polian to give us advice on this and, you know, help, help guide us. Like, and that's why you're interviewing so many people because you really don't know what the heck you're doing. So yeah, bring in as many people as you can. Um, because who are we to say, Oh yeah, there's these five people who we want, you know, Bill Polian, the rest of us to focus on because like we know X, Y, and Z from five people. So, and you know, as I'm, as I'm talking out now, that kind of does make sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like I said, at the end of the day, you only get to pick one person for that particular job. Now, if they want to hire out of those 15 plus people that they interview for different positions, that's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, you still only pick one general manager. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, that you're casting that wide of a net. Is that the reason why, you know, a person or two was going to take like their name out of the hat or their name out of the ring now and, or maybe even later, you'll, you'll see a couple other people remove themselves from the process. Maybe, I don't know. Like you said, I mean, we could look into that as, as we will, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just, just interesting to think about how the Chicago Bears are going at this. I'll tell you this one though, Joey. I'll tell you this. Same could kind of go for the coaching staff, but we'll we'll pick on, uh, we'll, we'll we'll focus in on general manager for right now. And we touched on this a little bit of on the last show. You're interviewing this many people. 
please, please, please don't make the wrong decision. And I know that's easier said than done. But when you're bringing in well over a dozen people or you're going to end up bringing in well over a dozen people to interview for this job, please just pick the right one. And once again, last time, easier said than done. But then what the heck are we all doing here? And I think that's just what, you know, is once again, we'll go over like the anxiety that the Bears fans have. Like they almost just want the pick so like they know the pick and then they could just like kind of dissect it and like accepted you know for for better or worse right i think like bears fans just want to like go on and keep it moving um and i get it i get you know something like this is is super important and you know they're doing their due diligence so i mean that in of itself is good um that that, you know it seems like they're taking it pretty seriously and they're investing like a lot of time and effort into it uh you're not in the playoffs you don't have to worry about putting any time into focus into that um you kind of have to find somebody to run your team and get you prepared for the offseason so there also is that too um but yeah i don't know good good or bad in terms of as many people they're bringing in like you mentioned you know there's ties here 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 there you know good or bad i guess i could say good because at the end of the day it's hard to criticize you know the team for doing that right and 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 i'm all for doing your due diligence and, and ensuring you interview all the people. But there's also a part of me, and I'm trying, not trying to be skeptical with it, but just from a from a philosophical perspective, there's also a part of me that you would think would hopefully have thought that the Bears went into this knowing what they're doing or at least having a short list. I know they told you they hire Polian and they do all these things, but there's no way you didn't know by the Thanksgiving report that you were not going to get rid of Matt Nagy, right? I knew that was coming so, up. Yeah, so, yeah. And, so, then, and then you knew – and maybe you didn't fire him there because you knew Pace would be the guy to maybe start the early search. And you knew you were getting hit rid of him too. So right. So where's the thought process, like you said, at the Thanksgiving game? Right. So so if you knew that's the case, I, I would have hoped they would have known and, and, and been able to zero in on – a handful of guys. I know you can't tamper, but as a functional organization, whether it's the ownership or at the executive level, there should be a working knowledge or a working portion of that organ of, of that branch of management that had a short list. And it 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 comes back to this idea of we maybe knew we were firing him, but we don't know what to do then. So we have to wait and hire Bill Poley and wait till he comes in and then can start the search. Well, and it's just, well, it's, what if it's they did crazy. have a short list and Bill came in and said it was crap? I could, Maybe. Could have been that too, right? I don't know if I want to give him that credit, but he could have. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being a jerk. No, you're right. But so, yeah. so I, I, I want them to do their homework, but there's also a part of me of like, you should have done it earlier to where you know exactly what you want. Because think about it if you have all these people on this list. I mean, this is a ton of people. So let's say you have over like 15, 16 people you're interviewing. They're going to have totally different and opposite ways you want to – they're going to want to structure a front office and a team. And while diversity in that thought is great, I also would like to – if you're the Bears or if you had a Bill Pullian-like person in your organization full-time, you should know what direction and how you want your front office – to, to be managed and direction you want to go in. And, and, and they're kind of just throwing darts at the board and hoping something sticks right now. And maybe that's good because it allows someone to come in and blow everything up, but I don't think they'd let them. 
Yeah, I mean, see, see, that's the thing, too, that I was going back and forth with is that, like you said, it was a consensus for a while in this town that Nagy's going. The question becomes, like, is Pace Deflin going or not? Well, Nagy's writing out the entire regular so Nagy or Pace is probably going to because you knew they would have got rid of Nagy like a little earlier on just so they could get like a little bit of a head start on the head coaching search, but they don't want somebody like a Pace to pick that next guy because he's not going to be in the process. At least that's like what, you know, the the assumption would have been. So does that mean, like you said, they didn't do any little bit of homework leading, leading into this process now? Not necessarily, but like I said, there's there's also two things that could have happened. One, I was being a jerk a little while ago, but it's true. Say they did come to Bill Polian, like when they asked for his advice uh, or like to help lead this council, if you will, in the GM and head coaching search. Um, say like when they went to him, they did have you know a, a, like a handful, like a small list of candidates. He could have either one said this is crap, we're going like I, I I don't know why like these are the guys on the list, or two, hey. I like where this is going and let's even expand the net a little more like out of the close to 15 plus people they're interviewing, you know, there's there could have been a handful that was on their short list. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, I, I totally get where you're coming at, but it doesn't necessarily mean things that even I kind of, I guess, hinted at in, in my, in my you know opening statement here, doesn't necessarily mean that they were like unprepared, right? Like does casting a wide net mean you were unprepared going into this. Not necessarily, um, but I, I could see why, <laughs> as a Bears fan, and Joey, even even more so to, to to someone like you who goes and like witnesses these games, these home games in person, um, and even sometimes on the road, you know more than anybody the agony and the pain that some Bears fans can have. So I could I get the the pessimism and the and, you know the the, the was it the skepticism or I can't even can't even do words here. We're doing a podcast, but um, yes, I, I get where people could be skeptic um, and where you could kind of say like, Oh man, here they go messing things up again. They're casting this big old wide net. They didn't even know what the heck they were doing. Bill, please help them out. Um, but yeah. And now, I mean, I, I think we wait, you would think, I mean, the, the other thing with that too, is if you're going to commit to, let's just say, what is it like around like cl- it's close to a dozen or so they've interviewed already. I think it's like at least 10 or whatnot. And they're still got about five, five plus to go. I mean, th- that math could be way off, but either way they're you know, they're, they're saying that they're going to still interview more, like where there's more people they're going to interview. So what that's, what that at least does is also lengthen the time out. It's lengthening the process naturally. Right. Cause if you just had like a, like a list full of maybe three or four and then pull in and whoever else, you know, you're going to also chime in on that. We do or do not know of, uh, down the road. You know, if they're throwing in two or three other names, then okay. You know, you interview roughly a little under under ten candidates that you really liked for X, Y, and Z reasons. You go on ahead and get on with the damn thing. Not only just so that now you could get involved in hiring the next coach, and that hopefully they could be part of the process of hiring the next head coach, but just to get on with it. And like, because because what happens? For example. Think of, think of uh, what, what if there's a couple more candidates that bounce for whatever reasons, like you were saying, Joey, and we could look into that however we will. What if that was your number one person? Like, What if they blew you away, and at the end of it, if they were to stay, they were like number one on your rating charts, right? And that was the person you were going to offer the job. Well, now they walked, and I'm not saying they're walking because the, the process is taking too long, but there's things that can happen within that process that come up. That now maybe gives them the, the reason to walk because now it's a, it's a much better um, life decision for them for whatever reason. So that's another thing, too, is you're kind of like delaying the process here on getting things moving when, you know, if it was something shorter and, you know, a shorter list, you could have maybe had somebody in that building already over there at Alice Hall. Yeah, 
and it, it's going to be fascinating to watch as we move ahead here and see what, what the Bears do. Um, I, I know we can't jump into too much of head coaching, but, um, you know, the, the list so far is Jim Caldwell, Brian Dable, Matt Eberfluss, who now has a second interview scheduled with the Bears, Brian Flores, Nathaniel Hackett, and Doug Peterson. And then yet to be interviewed is Todd Bowles, uh, Leslie Frazier, Byron Leftwich. I think those may actually may have been today, and then Dan Quinn. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit last week, and we don't have to, you know, no, nothing happens probably until we have a GM anyways, but I'm just curious because all all I'm seeing is all the fans want Brian Dable or Brian Flores, and all yeah. the reports are saying is the Bears really enjoyed their conversations or potential conversations with Leslie Frazier. And it just seems like the the <laughs> well, safest course, right? pick, the former Bear right. himself, right? Yeah, is it the safest pick? Is it the most Bearsy pick? Maybe. Is it the safest pick? I don't know. Um, of course, you have Flores, who like it's a head scratcher, and apparently, like he didn't have the best, you know, um, rapport. You would say with, with with the rest of the higher ups there in the front office, and that's you know potentially why he got left. There was like the head scratcher of like the the firing there in Miami. So somebody who was like was able to do the things they did with the roster that he had. That's what. That's obviously why he's a very popular pick. You look at you look at Dable, like you said, what he's doing. Like if if you're if you're thinking of like somebody who's an offensive minded guy and they're coming from a system that's doing pretty damn well and they're one game away from a championship game, the Buffalo Bills are. Yeah, sure. That's why. Um, and like what he's doing with Josh Allen. Like how much of that is is Dable and how much of it is just Josh Allen, right? You could go back and forth with that all day, but it's still somebody who's in that system. You pick somebody who was familiar and on the scenes and like with the team with Patrick Mahomes, that didn't really work out. So now, you know, you, you could go on to a different team and find ex offensive minded coach who is also, you know, coaching for a team who has ex awesome quarterback and go from there, understand it. Um, so I, I do see the appeal there, and I, and I understand like why that would be a hot pick. Very frustrated. You didn't mention my man Harbaugh in terms of like somebody the fans might want. True, uh, but yeah, for sure, because obviously like that's a hot pick for reasons we covered last time. Um, like you said, Leslie Frazier, that seems very beersy, right? That and. You know, I, I I think I take that joy with a grain of salt, like the comments in it, because like that's just something like maybe the organization finally figured out how to do like some kind of PR stuff. He's you know former beer and like somebody like the fan base still respects, and like you want to say some nice things if you know like if it's public that you interviewed him and whatnot. So I mean, I kind of take that with a grain of salt. I wouldn't necessarily take it as oh boy, and, and like watch we're gonna wake up tomorrow morning and like Leslie Frazier's hired by the Chicago Bears. Watch me completely speak it into his existence. <laughs> um, and then you be- you mentioned Bowles and Leftwich once again like not a young quarterback even though he seems like a young quarterback Mr. Tom Brady who's older than what is it all the head coaches in the end of that are remaining in the mm-hmm. NFC playoffs which is just absolutely nuts I-, I I shared that with you the other day um but yeah so I mean I see that the the funny one uh, Joe isn't it so funny how like the how the NFL works you you look at a Doug Peterson somebody who <laughs> won a Super Bowl with with Nick Foles in her center and then and then basically like a year year plus later gets ran out of town in Philadelphia and now all of a sudden bring him back as a head coach that's a hot coaching candidate I mean I get it like I said like Super Bowl winning Super Bowl winning head coach did it with somebody with the likes of Nick Foles um I understand it but it's like it's just so weird how the NFL works. And, like, would, would he be a great fit for the Chicago Bears? Eh, maybe so. Maybe no. I mean, the Chicago Bears also have a lot of work to do, right? I mean, I think I want somebody who has a 
history with a young quarterback. I know Dable kind of like scratches that off as an offensive coordinator with somebody like Josh Allen um, under center for the, for the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, you have that there, but just because of the whole fields thing, right? Like fields, you want to be around for the next seven to 12 years, seven to 10 years. So that being said, you want like, you're willing to put an emphasis on a coach who has that type of experience with that type of a quarterback. Cause at the end of the day, you're only going to get as far as Justin Fields is going to get you the next few years, right? Hopefully five plus years. So if that's the case, you really, really need that, that head coach, in my opinion, who's going to stick around for that longevity of the time as well. Cause as we talked about last time, if you get a defensive minded head coach and now you bring in set offensive coordinator, who's now your main focal point for Justin Fields, what happens even if they don't leave after a year or two of really good process of uh, progress, maybe it's like year three or four when you're on the cusp of winning something special and they leave now. So for that, I think you scared me into going more offensive minded. Uh, maybe it is somebody like a left witch or something who um, it, it's like weird to me, like how much credit you give him. Cause he literally has the goat. Right. <laughs> Easy to do with Brady, you know, in, in his system. So it's like, right. And you know, and, you know, there's a Mike Evans and you know, and, and I, you know, it's just, it is what it is there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess that's where I'm at too. And, Maybe if they go on ahead and pick a uh, GM pretty soon, they can help with that process. Yeah, you'd hope crazy, so. Crazy, crazy to think about. I know. It'd be weird if they do all these coaching interviews, right? And then they hire a GM and they're like, great. Well, we've had four interviews with Brian Le- Byron Leftwich and we love him. What do you think? It'd be like, I don't like Byron Leftwich. And then what do you do, right? They're like, well, we yeah, really like him. Point. Like, it's, it's going to be interesting to see point. what they do. <laughs> Well, hey, before we move on to John Lester, at least the Bears got Lamar Jackson in town now. So I don't know if you saw that news, but Lamar Jackson is now a Chicago Bear. Please tell me you saw that. No. Yes. Google, Google right now. The comeback cornerback uh, for uh, Nebraska, 2016 to 2019. Oh, I'm like, Lamar – I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? Like, Lamar Jackson? I knew I would get you with that one. I, I knew that. Chicago that's why I'm like, it couldn't be true. So I'm like, what are you they, talking they about? Do have, they do have a Lamar Jackson. I'm not lying to you. I love that I stumped you on that one. Well, and Bill Polian would like him as a wide receiver slash cornerback. So it fits perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it would have fit. Yes. Yes, we, we, we brought in Lamar Jackson so he could potentially play back up to Justin Fields and actually just be, be his wide receiver. Um, no, but yeah, we do have Lamar Jackson in town, so. Something to be happy. Something to be happy about. Um, but speaking of in town and out of town, you know what, Joe? You 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 sent me a text. You said you wanted to talk John Lester, and I was all for it. I was all for talking about John Lester. Funny enough, we did talk about John Lester a little bit last season, wasn't it? Um, was it when he said like buy to Chicago, and then he was going to buy everybody around of beers? Don't know if you were on that yeah. tab. He was buying people like Bud Lights and Miller Lights at the Cubby Bear. Did you ever pick up your uh, your beer on a one, John Lester? I didn't. I think I was still in Philly when he did that, but I he still owes me, so I'll call him, right? And he'll get me a beer? Because we're like this, we're hey, tight. there you go. Never met the man yeah. in my life. <laughs> right. Uh, retiring. Hanging it up. Are you, uh, are you feeling nostalgic? I mean, I, I, we literally, it's funny. I feel like we had this exact talk, like, when we were talking about Lester leaving the Cubs, even though he was still technically, you know, a player for the major league baseball uh for the major league baseball league but whatever that sport yeah, is now since it doesn't exist yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> there's no, yeah there's no cba so just, so uh it's not even a thing right now but um yeah i don't know it's funny like i i, I hate doing this to you but it's still now it's starting to hit me now like how long ago 2016 was i hate even saying it that way because i feel but you're talking 
six years already almost we're over the half decade mark and you know before you know it, it you know 10 years will be approaching before you know it i, I hate saying it that way i do you're not wrong it does, it does it does like that's the first thing that pops into my head is like oh wow how far how far ago was 2016 already no it's true i hate to put you there no it's okay it, it's the reality of what's of what's happened but no it's 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 interesting i i and maybe because i was younger when i don't know other chicago teams signed big free agents that was like oh my goodness like this is taking over my entire being and consciousness but you know when when the cubs signed john lester it was a very big move but it was coming off the heels of them being trash for years and it was just interesting because I don't think I viewed it as monumental as what it truly was and what I know it is now. And, you know, there, there are a couple of those that come to mind of whether it's John Lester and the Cubs, Marion Hosa and the Hawks. It could even Ooh. be Io DeSumo and the Illini, right? <laughs> it's it's, it's wow. guys that, that chose a team and committed themselves to something bigger than themselves and their egos because they saw the vision and the impact they could make and the impact that the team could make in the sport. And by that one decision, by the Hosa, by the Lester, by the Ayo, whatever, it changed the entire trajectory of each of their teams and ultimate championship teams. And so, you know, when I look to Lester, people can talk about, you know, is he a Hall of Famer, three World Series rings, you know, a, a, a phenomenal career. But, but to me... It, it goes back to he's the first guy that bought in to what Theo was selling and building. Mm. And it it was the domino effect that allowed them to be what they were in that stretch and what they'll forever be remembered for. And so it's it, it's it's moments like that. You appreciate it and, and 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 realize kind of the, I don't know, career risk, if you will, he took then coming off of World Series with the Red Sox. Um, but you know, he, he'll, he'll always hold a special place because he was integral in the world series run. And now that you're, as you've mentioned, it's getting further and further and further away. And the team is not closer nor still in that window. You don't know when the next time is going to be that they win it. You gotta kind of go back and really relive it and cherish it because he, he, he changed the course of, of the Cubs and, and Chicago sports history. That's my speech. Yeah, no, I love it. Absolutely. And obviously me being the White Sox fan, there's not too much. Uh, I mean, there really is no emotional ties I have to it. But it's funny because you look back at it and just the things I remember are here, here's a two or three cliff notes I, I'll say about that is I remember the tweets and the comments from, you know, certain people in Cubs Nation or just, you know, you know, sports fandom out there saying like, oh, my gosh, what a terrible pickup by the Cubs or, you know, John Lester, he's he's out of his prime or what are they thinking? Um, and then, like, really prove them wrong. Right. Because like you said, just a monumental piece. I'm bringing them their World Series, uh, their first World Series championship in 108 years. And. The thing is, like, I, I'm a big, big fan of this, or not, not big fan of this, but here's my mindset on on players like John Lester, or like at least when they talk about like the attitude and what he brings to the clubhouse and whatnot. Look, 
I'm totally against, you know, bad clubhouse guys like a Antonio Brown or something like that, like on a team. But also on the flip side of that, there's something I notice in sports that's trendy, um, probably more so in football, but I think it probably can also play into the baseball senses. Yeah, you really want good clubhouse guys, especially in a sport like baseball where, you know, you're playing 162 and you're with them all freaking summer, right, on like a summer grind. Um, but I think what's really, really important, and this is going to sound terrible, is like ultimately you like wins. Is the person like really good and is their, what they're doing on the field contributing to a W in the most important column, right? Um, people, I, I think when they talk about John Lester and they talk about what he brought to the team, it's more so like that team leader and everything the Cubs needed. And while I agree with that, you still need somebody like to to produce at the end of the day. And he absolutely did. And in, in the second season with the Chicago Cubs, 2.44 ERA. He was like one win shy. I think he had, it was like a 19 win season. It was like 19 and five. But regardless of the wins, because wins for a starting pitcher nowadays is kind of like an outdated. It's a, it's an archaic stat. But still, National League Championship Series co MVP 2.44 ERA. Um, and then here I'm just looking up some stats here um, from 2016 to 2018. Obviously that magnificent golden run uh, postseason run that the Chicago Cubs had. 1.93 ERA in 10 playoff appearances. So he also got the job done. I get like he was a vocal leader and he was that presence that the Chicago Cubs needed. And sure, maybe that with all the talent that they did have on that 2016 team was, you know, part of the little thing they need. And what was it like Hayward's um, rain delay speech? And when I like, like, sure, those little like intangibles definitely can be the little thing that it takes to get you over the hump, but you also need talent. And John Lester for X amount of years with the Cubs. And when it was important the most, like when the Cubs were right there, very peak Chicago Cubs, like the, you know, basically the best Chicago Cubs baseball team like ever to ever exist, right? Unless you want to go all the way back and compare them with uh, that of like the 1906 like, or whatever Cubs, like it's the best, it's the best uh, baseball team the Chicago Cubs have ever had. And John Lester pitched his tail off, and he had the statistics to show it. Um, so yeah, it wasn't just those awesome intangibles that I will 100% agree he brought to the city of the of Chicago and the Chicago Cubs. But he also got the job done in the mound. So that is what I will say. Like I said, I don't really have the emotional ties to it, but that's what I would say about a one John Lester for uh, definitely getting a jo- uh, getting the job done on the rubber. Yeah, no, you you always and you always need you know whenever you're in business or what have you, you need that one guy to buy in, and and he bought in full and reaped the rewards, and everyone else did. They got a World Series and. Uh, the rest is is history, you know. Well, at the at the end of the day, Joey, let me get George McCaskey on you. This is a results oriented business, and so. mother is pissed. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Wrigley, the friendly confines are pissed. It's the pissed confines. Or so, or yeah, don't yeah, worry, yeah. you you won't be you won't be booing the marquee <laughs> oh, how, network how next we, year. How do we go back here? Yeah, you you won't be. Oh, how do we get here? How do we, we're sorry, Lester. We're sorry, John. No, but yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, you're, you're right, George. Sports in general is results oriented, is it not? Huh. Yes, it speaking is. Of, speaking of results-oriented... Oh, I was going to go speaking of buying in, but you go first. <laughs> no, okay. I thought that's they're, where you were going with the transition. No, they're, they're both one and the same, so this is a, a, a fantastic topic to... Um, to wrap up the show so you told me and like obviously like sometimes we go through like little rundowns on things that are on our brain um you know top of mind that we kind of want to talk about here on the show and one of the things you brought up was i know you you and your family have chicago beer season tickets but you have i don't know if it was a phone call or an email you have received from the chicago cubs 
now saying, hey, we have a season ticket opportunity for you. And not only you, a group of friends who um, remind me, like, once again, like how many years ago it was you guys all got on the list. And now you're all getting contacted by the Cubs for yeah. season ticket opportunity. So I think it was like at least 10 years ago for fun. Like my buddy was was going, hey, we should put it, put ourselves in the Cubs season ticket wait list. And so I, I applied, my friend applied, his other friends applied. And it goes like, congratulations, like, welcome to the wait list. You were like 90,000th in line of like <laughs> waiting. So we're like, okay, like Beautiful. whatever. It's so never going to happen. Right. Yeah. When so I actually never. have money, maybe. And it's like, great. I'll get them when I'm 55 years old and, and we'll all live on spaceships and commute to Mars and whatever. And then last week I got a call from a number and I go, I've seen this number before somewhere, but I don't know who it is. But I answered it. Because my, you know, blue and red Cubs instinct was tingling. And and it was the Cubs rep saying, congratulations, your number has been called to have the opportunity to purchase Cubs season tickets. And they said between the pandemic and inventory, which to me means because they suck, people dropped off their tickets. The, 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 the group that applied 10 years ago is now eligible versus what we thought we'd be eligible in like, you know, 20, 30 more years. So, you know, I got the phone, they sent me the emails, what have you. And so I sit here and I'm trying to figure out if Joey should invest in Cubs season tickets, whether it's because of the team or financially or commitment. I... You know, as a kid, you're like, I don't know what money is. I'm going to get on this list. And, <laughs> and now it's like, oh, like, is it, wor- is, is it worth the investment? No matter if you're on a nosebleed or the top box. Like, what the Cubs have done over the last couple of years, it, 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 it puts a weird question into your head of, is this something you want to invest time and money and, and effort into? Which is a question, you know, 10-year-old Joey well, that would make me 20 if it was 10 years ago. So 15-year-old Joey or 18-year-old Joey didn't think about that. So it's just, it's it's a very interesting dilemma because I never thought you'd be posed to the question. And now it's like, based on what they've done, are they worth investing in? So if you were in my shoes, no matter the financials, is the Cubs organization and team something worth investing in now? Short answer, yes. You're buying the dip. So short answer, yes. And I'll, I guess I can break it down more. You know what helped? And first, I want, I want to backtrack to you being like 90,745 in line, um, which to me is just hilarious. Like, okay, cool, cool subs. I'll, I'll see, I'll see you when like the, your next CBA uh, bout ends. But um, you know what probably definitely helped with that? I'm not going to lie. And this is, this is common sense is, is 2016. I wouldn't doubt if because of the world series, a lot of fans who had their season tickets for, for so long, they got to experience that. They got to go through that ride. They were there for 2016. They were there for the world series. The Cubs now they're losing faith. They know it's going to be a whole nother rebuild and X amount of years before they're even potentially back to the promised land, this is the time to sell, right? Like, so to them, the Cubs, like their their investment has reached its peak. It's on the downfall. They're selling. 
now does somebody like Joey want to buy the dip? I say yes for that for that logical reason. If it depends how much you're going to really be there for when it's at its next peak. And like what I mean by that is sure you're buying them now, like maybe you give tons away to friends or you sell some like when carnals are in town now you're making like a return on your investment because like you're just not even going to them like you're not even going to the majority of the games the first couple years you're kind of like you and your friends are just kind of selling 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 and whatever you can maybe going for the lols every now and then um and then obviously when they get hot and now they start getting potentially back to promised land level how much will you really invest then and not even invest your own money, but like invest in your time. Right. I guess is like the question. So let's just say the cub, you, you lock in your season tickets five years from now. They're really good. They're probably a play like a playoff promising team, potentially somebody who compete in the championship series and in, in, in the national league. Okay. How many games are you realistically going to go to? And then in the playoffs, are you potentially going to be there for the whole run? Even if they make it all the way to the world series, or can you really just, you know, obviously just keep saving up, you know, for, you know, separate things, you know, in life and sports on like on the side, like, cause I'm kind of thinking about it where I'm at now, like with the white Sox, is like, I could lock in, I could try to lock in season tickets or if they go back to the playoffs next year, hopefully, or the world series, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll throw like a nice chunk of cash on that. Then instead of throwing in money time and time again for season tickets and like worrying about having to sell them or like, cause basically that's what you're investing in, right? You're investing to lock yourself in for basically, those games and it's like you could do that and you could keep throwing money into season tickets or when the time comes you could just pay a a nice pretty penny to go to the world series um so i think that's really what it comes down to is do you want to just lock yourself in no matter how many years it's going to take and if they suck so what like your season tickets will be at an affordable rate comparative to what cub season tickets could go for when they're good um or do you just say screw it? I'll buy myself a World Series ticket or two when they're when and if they're back. Right, like like that. To. Right, like that's that. That's my debate. Is 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 it truly realistic that I would be going like all summer to eighty games or forty games or twenty right. games? Like, I don't think so. But but the caveat in there is you get guaranteed purchase rights to the postseason. But still, I mean. Like you said, like yeah, a World Series ticket could be, I don't know, thousand bucks each. It very well could sure. be, and that could be the equivalent of what you may pay for a year's worth of nosebleed sure. tickets. Sure, but it's probably it, so. It's hard to justify it in your brain because you're like, okay, one game the same price as forty or eighty, but it also <laughs> it also right. may be worth it, right? Like because I feel like baseball is very different. Where, as much as I think the idea of, okay, I'm locked in, like you said, I I can get the games, I get the games I want, I get the playoff tickets. I feel like it's very easy to get baseball tickets. Because there's so many games. So you can afford to pick and choose when you want to go. There's always going to be a game to go to. And the playoffs, you just have to pay premium. But, like, I think about, like, with the Bears, like, with my dad's tickets, they have for 40 years. That's a completely different ball game. Like Bears tickets are hard to get. Like you can't yes. get in that stadium anyway for a regular season for a playoff game. Like forget it. Like it's either yeah. going to be quadruple the price or there's literally no inventory. Like it's it's a right. different animal. So I feel like with that sport, like that makes complete sense. I want a guaranteed right to playoff tickets 
if they ever make it, forever. But with the Cubs, I, I initially was like, great, that's what I want it for, too. Right. But it's also realistic that I could choose 10 games to go to in a summer, be perfectly happy, and then pay the expense of the if, if they made it to a World Series. Maybe, let's call it, I don't know, three home games or four home games in a playoff series that you'd pay once every couple of years, hopefully, versus every year without the playoff or regular season. It's just, it's it's a different philosophy of it. So, like, well, my Cubs fan brand was like, yes, jump in it, because it says in the bold letters, if you if you decline these tickets, you will remove yourself from the wait list. But it's also like, that might be okay, because they're easy to, to come by. I just don't know. It's just it's it's little kid fan Joey versus realistic adult Joey, and I'm torn in between. Yeah, and I think I think the part of the Cubs fan, like almost pessimistic Cubs fan in you, even though you've seen a World Series in 2016, and me knowing how pessimistic Cubs fans can be, we kind of glossed over something, right? So we kind of glossed over that if you say yes to these tickets, they're yours until you sell them back to the Cubs. Until you say no, I'm not I'm not re-upping. What that means is. If you are confident that the Chicago Cubs could once again build some type of a golden age, you could really, like, seriously, like, get money back on your investment now. Because let's just say, in the perfect situation, five years from now, the Cubs are back to being the, an even better team than they were for their pre and post twenty sixteen run. They win a World Series in twenty twenty three and then they go to the world series or they go to the postseason at least the next eight years or something and like since you've seen your world series in 2023 you re-up all your season tickets and you just sell sell you sell the playoffs you sell the world you just sell 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 now you can get money back on your investment if like because now you're the one who has that ticket and you could just keep selling it and selling it and selling it if you want to be that person and now start reaping the rewards on your investment so there's that part we actually glossed over is then you would be in the situation taking it back to this whole stock market um, mindset of like selling now when they're hot so you're buying them low you're selling them high after you've experienced some of the benefits your own and if you trust the cubs to get there again then do you want to put in the effort to just now sell your right? T- but I'm the idiot that would want to go holder of them, right? But I'm the idiot that would want to go to the game and still sell them when they're good. But yeah, you but that's make, still good. Yeah, Either way, it's good. So at the end of the day, really, as long as they can return to dominant form, I guess is what the question is. Like, do you trust them to once again become a very dominant team for multiple seasons, like five plus seasons? Right? I do. Pushing ten seasons. I think I do because they've actually shown they can build it right. Like, they built a stretch of of 15 through 18 that yeah. worked. Um, but, yeah, you got to bet that. And, and two, you know, I mean, it's it's sad to say this, but that's because I'm being an optimist that they'll win again soon. Nothing's ever going to be like the first one. Like nothing's ever going to either cause the demand and no. ticket, yeah. or or fandom like that first one. Now flip it to the Bears, right? You can make that argument, but now you're oh, going, yeah. but 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 now you're almost going on forty years since that one. So the mindset's yeah. different. You haven't won in almost half a century. Yeah, and I don't mean to like doomsday it but then you go okay it restarts that clock you have two whole new generations of fans that are coming into this with no knowledge of a championship the bulls are getting close to that too right and so it resets that clock so it's like you're saying if if the cubs 
don't, it's almost weird. If the Cubs don't reset the clock and win soon, it's exciting, but it's different. If they go longer again, it, not that I want them to, but it, it, it kind of gives it more value of like, it's, it's, it's not a common occurrence. It's not the Patriots in the Super Bowl every year. It's, oh my God, this is the city railing behind it. We made it. We're the Chiefs. It's 50 years in the Super Bowl. Big deal. So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It was just fun. It was cool. It's like it's a call I never expected. Whether whatever I do with it or not is uh, what it is. Yeah. But it was cool. And now that they got the email, they sent me another email. They said you can buy your tickets in a month. Uh, we invite you to come to Wrigley Field to choose your ticket and seat if you so choose. Wow. But never um, been there before, right? Yeah. So <laughs> interesting. So we'll wow, see. 20, 2016 has really done something to you and your sports fandom. Yep. Huh? I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, like I said, there's, it's more than just like, am I going to go to all these games? Am I locking down, you know, the postseason tickets for when they're back to the postseason? It's, do you also want to be the holder of said tickets even afterwards to reap benefits of that? So, I don't know. Are, are the Cubs looking for a new account executive for a season ticket account exec or something like that? I guess I could, I could be their their sales pitch guy. But yeah, come no, on I down. I'm curious. So when will the podcast know, Joey, of uh, of your decision? Is it going to be in a couple weeks? You think? Are you going down to Wrigley? To take I don't a know tour? the date. I gotta be down there if they if they they've invited me for February twelfth. It's so. like inviting you for a test drive, right? Like oh, you want to yeah. send a car. You Here's the Rolls Royce. Come on, you can't afford yeah, it, but here you go. You can see yourself sitting here cheering on the Cubs in the World Series right. one day again. Or you can see yourself driving this to the ballpark, can't you? Yeah, they're inviting you for the test yeah. drive. Oh yeah, here, take a seat. This will be. As a matter of fact, this is you. You could own this. This is yours. You, we actually put this, a nameplate on it just to see what it would look like if you own yeah, this seat. I mean, that's got to be part of the sales pitch, right? It's oh like you're, yeah, you're the owner of these seats. Like this ballpark that you call your second home. This is which is, it would be Soldier. Well, in the summertime, it's really right. So yeah, the the ballpark you called your second home as a kid. Like this is now yours. This really is your spot. So. Just, yeah. just, just, just smart of them to show it to me in the dead of winter in an ice sheet. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's great about that is, even though you, as now a more wise adult, even going into that knowing it's just all part of the sales pitch, it will still make you feel some kind of way. Oh hell yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's like it feel the dream stuff. Hell yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if you know what they're doing. You, you'd still be like, oh shit do i say yes and lock this and like how do i say no to this opportunity because that that type of pitch is gonna is gonna work on you a little bit consciously like uh, whether you like it or not so we'll see hopefully hopefully uh let's see february 12th yeah we'll we'll i'll mark my calendar uh we'll, we'll mark something here and uh we'll update the podcast listeners as we as we go along but um yeah before we wrap up where are you leaning are you Leaning yay or nay, and even if it's fifty-one forty-nine, one direction, where do you where do you see yourself leaning as of today? I've talked myself, I think, into more of the fifty-one fifty of nay, based on what we talked about. Because forty-nine nay, okay, nay, okay, wow, because just a smidge, right? Just because I think the fan in me would be like, yes, let's do it, but the other side of me is 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 being the realistic one of. I'm you not could, going to any of these games. Right. I, like, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> am I going to go to the nine-game homestand against the Reds and Pirates in April? Like, yeah. I, no. I don't know. <laughs> but if I say, I said, you know, yeah, but, I'm, no. but I'm going to these 11 games that you can do an 11-game package this year, and I get to choose what I want. Okay. So I don't know. It's just, it's it It was a fun little callback to, to young Joey Hood. So it was it was cool. 
Well, you know what, Joey? At, at the end of the day, um, I, I, I'm glad you at least got to enjoy that phone call. So, yeah, where the podcast stands today for listening, Joey's leaning 51-49 in the direction of no season tickets. But obviously, we'll keep uh, our lovely listeners updated with that. So, on that note, that will do us do, do it for us here on the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, who, of course, is brought to you by the fine folks of the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. He's Joey Gelman, who you can find on Twitter at Joey Gelman. I'm Dan Collins. You can find on Twitter at Sweet Dan Collins. This fine, lovely show on there at Believe in Chicago. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.